0: Proverbs chapter 4 The acquisition of wisdom is encouraged repeatedly in this fourth chapter of Proverbs. In verse 5 it says get wisdom get understanding. In verse 7 it says wisdom is the principal thing. And we are encouraged admonished to get wisdom. Here in this chapter, uh, Psalms, then Proverbs, I'm struggling up here this morning to find that, goodness, chapter 4 becomes before chapter 10. But we are admonished to get wisdom, And uh, but before we look, we're going to be in verses 10 through 19 this morning, but uh, before we look at that, I want to ensure that we're on the same page when we're talking about wisdom. Uh, the same type of wisdom uh, that I believe the Proverbs is referring to here. And so I have uh, some definitions from Webster's 1828. And this is what his first definition it says. The right use of it or exercise of knowledge, the choice of laudable ends and of the best means to accomplish them. This is wisdom in act, effect, or practice. If wisdom is to be considered as a faculty of the mind, it is the faculty of discerning or judging what is most just, proper, and useful, and if it is to be considered as an acquirement, it is the knowledge and use of what is best, most just, most proper, most conducive to prosperity or happiness. Wisdom in this sense, or in the first sense, or practical wisdom, is nearly synonymous with discretion. It differs somewhat from prudence, In this respect, prudence is the exercise of sound judgment in avoiding evils. Wisdom is the exercise of sound judgment either in avoiding evils or attempting good. Prudence then is a species of which wisdom is the genus. A second definition he has in there, it says, In Scripture, human learning, erudition, knowledge of arts and sciences. And he gives the example of Moses was learned in the wisdom of the Egyptians. You see that in Acts chapter 7. Uh, but there is also a wisdom of the world, which I, I think is is what similar to uh, the wisdom of the Egyptians. But as he says this of that the wisdom of this world, mere human erudition, or the carnal policy of men, their craft and artifices in promoting their temporal interest. And we see this called fleshly wisdom in Scripture, Second Corinthians chapter one and verse twelve. But here's the definition I want us to have in our minds this morning as we look at the passage that we're going to look at this morning. It says, In Scripture theology, wisdom is true religion, godliness, piety, the knowledge and fear of God, and the sincere and uniform obedience to His commands. This is the wisdom which is from above. And so that's the wisdom we're going to be talking about this morning is a wisdom that's from above. Uh, And as I said, we see the importance of this uh, in this chapter 4 of Proverbs. And so if you would stand with me in honor of reading the Word of God. Uh, We're going to read verses 10 down through verse 19. And uh, Stand if you're able. I understand that there are those that may not be able to, uh, but if you're able to, please join me in standing. Uh, We'll begin reading in verse 10. It says this, Hear, my son, and receive my saying, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. Now, thou thy steps shall not be straitened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief." And their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for Lord the privilege and honor it is to be here today. And I pray, Lord, for your blessing upon the preaching of your word. Father, I pray that the Word of God would have free course. Lord, I pray that you would fill with your Spirit. And Lord, you know the heart need of everyone here today. And so today, Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would come and minister and touch the heart of each one. Lord, only as you know how. And Father, I pray that you would just, Lord, work in the heart of those that don't know Christ. Lord, that they would understand that they need a Savior and they would turn to Him today. Father, for the Christian this morning, for the believers, I pray, Lord, that you just strengthen them and encourage them, Lord, to continue on, and Father, I pray, Lord, that you challenge us, Lord, to walk closer with thee, and Father, we just give you the glory for all that you're going to do this morning, and we'll thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm a fill-in. If you're visiting this morning, uh, this isn't the regular guy. This is just that Justin guy. So, I know many of you know pastor uh, is not feeling 100%, and so please pray for him. Pray that God will give him a speedy recovery, and uh, probably more than you all, I'm looking forward to his return. Uh, I, I enjoy preaching, but in all seriousness, I'm thankful for our pastor, and hey, yeah. we look forward for his, to his return. And uh, so just pray that God will give him uh, a quick healing. Uh, but if you're visiting, uh, I know our pastor would love to get to know you. And so, please come back when he's able to be here. Uh, he'd love to meet you and, and minister and be an encouragement to you if he could. Uh, so, here we are. Proverbs four. Odd transition, I know. I'm struggling. I'm just the filling, so bear with me. So, but we see the importance of wisdom illustrated by these two paths here in Proverbs chapter four. Uh, there's a wise path and and there's a, a wicked path. And so this morning, let's look at the way of wisdom. We'll kind of look at that for a moment. Proverbs 4.11, it says this, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. And look what it says here. I have led thee in right paths. It's just what's right. And I find it interesting that sometimes we think there's a better way than what God has ordained. How foolish of us to think that there's a better way to accomplish this life or to do the things in this life than how God the Creator has ordained things to be. Uh, And so these are the right ways, the right paths. Uh, It says, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. And there's some consequences or some blessings uh, of this path. In verse 10, look what it says. It says, hear, my, O my son, and receive my sayings. And the years of thy life shall be many. Boy, what a great consequence. What a great blessing. Uh, that if we would heed the things uh, of the word of God, that we would take heed of these things, that we could live longer. I want to live long. You know, I hear people, I don't want to live to be 100 because I might be old and crippled. I want to be 100, able to walk and talk and get out and about. And I know God doesn't allow that for everybody. I understand that. Uh, but listen, uh, you have a better chance at doing it if you would live God's way. <laughs> Um, So, why would these years be many? In in verse 11, it says you might have many years. Uh, This has already been stated. Proverbs chapter 3 says this in verses 1 and 2, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. And and like I said, God has ordained things to work a certain way and if we would get in line with how God's designed things to be, we're going to live a prosperous and blessed life. The way of the transgressor is hard, the Word of God says. Uh, Generally speaking, I think this is true. I know some people die at younger ages, and and listen, we got to trust God, and and He's the all-knowing and all-powerful and and sovereign. Uh, But generally speaking, if we would live a life of wisdom, uh, we could live a long, uh, blessed life. Proverbs 3, verse 7 and 8 go on to say this, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil look what it says here. It shall be health to thy navel and moral to thy bones. Listen, a godly life is a healthy life. I think we can all say that we've seen those people that have lived a rough life, a life of sin. Uh, and you look at those folks and, boy, that guy looks like he's about 70. But he's not. The way of the transgressor is hard. Uh, Listen, you guys don't realize this, but I'm only 28. I just haven't always lived wisely. But listen, we can all say that, right? You've seen somebody that perhaps their age appears far greater than what it actually is because they weren't living wisely. The sin is destructive. We'll see that when we look at the path of the wicked. And so living God's way brings life. Uh, And not only is it just a blessing and a joy, uh, I did 21 years in the Air Force. I didn't agree with everything the Air Force said or did. But sometimes if you just get on board and go along with what the Air Force needs, life is nice. Listen, you're not supposed to do certain things. There's the Uniform Code of Military Justice and all those things. If you just do things... The right way, according to regulation, the military service is a breeze. People that struggle and get frustrated about it are the ones that are going against the grain. And I'm not talking about following wickedness and those types of things, but I think you understand what I'm saying. If you just get in line with what's proper and right, boy, life is good. God promises blessing and prosperity if we do it that way. And when that doesn't happen, because sometimes we have preconceived ideas how things should be idealistic and perfect because God does allow things to come into our lives. We just have to trust Him. But generally speaking, uh, the life of wisdom is a blessed life. And you will be healthier, happier, and you will enjoy this earth much better. And so, the steps shall not be straightened. It says, look at verse 12. It says, when thou goest Thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Uh, Straightened has the idea of narrow or compressed. It's not specifically talking about just like a straight path. There's no turns or curves or anything. Uh, If you remember what the Apostle Paul said, he's in a straight betwixt two. Uh, He was in a a difficult position. And and so when it says that uh, it shall not be straightened, it, it will be easy. Or easier, maybe I should say it that way. It's not all uh, sunshine and butterflies. But uh, the idea is that things aren't going to get you off course very easy. You won't be compressed or vexed or afflicted along the way. Uh, it won't be straightened. Uh, <clears throat> and that was Philippians one twenty three that the Apostle Paul said that. Uh, but the reason for this is also stated in chapter 3 as well. I find this interesting. Uh, it's, our way is not going to be straightened. And it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge Him. And what? He shall direct thy paths. And so if we would live according to wisdom, uh, regardless of what comes, as long as we're not leaning on ourselves, He's going to direct us. The decisions that we have to make, the difficult circumstances that arise, we will have wisdom and God will direct us in those things. and And in this verse... I might be getting ahead of my notes here. Uh, But in verse 12 here, it says, and when thou goest, thy step shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. It's really a picture of life. Sometimes we're just going along. We're just step after step, step after step. But then there's other times when we're running. Life gets hectic. Life gets frustrating. And so God is going to direct us in those times where life is simple and easy, and we're just walking along, and it's not going to be straight, We're not going to be constrained or afflicted because why? Because God is with us and He's directing us and He's guiding us and we're wise, we have wisdom. But then there are times when the phone rings and life goes to a sprint and decisions need to be made quickly. Things are challenging. But there it says we won't stumble. It says, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Why? Because we have God leading and directing and guiding us. And so when those moments of, of, of despair or rapid concern arise, we have wisdom because God's been directing us. We can make the right decision. We're not going to stumble. It's a picture of life. Listen, a person on this path has the Lord on their side assisting them. Who better else? Boy, who better else? We go to a, a lot of folks for ideas and counsel and advice, but boy, going to the Lord's the best place. And by the way, it's right here. And, and listen, I don't want to try to oversimplify it this morning, but if we would just do with this, get in this thing, learn what it says, and make application, oh boy, oh boy, boy, the life would be much easier. But the problem is, we get in here and we see things and we doubt and we begin to lean on our own understanding. And that's when life gets straight, it gets difficult, it gets challenging, and we begin to stumble because we don't make application of God's word. And so it says, When thou runnest, thou shalt not be stumbled. Life will get hectic. Life will get challenging. It will be difficult. But if you're on the right path, the path of wisdom, uh, you won't stumble. You're less likely to make mistakes, I would say. You're more likely to make the right decision in that difficult circumstance. And so considering such consequences, right? The in our tendency to stumble or to be distressed on the course of life, we get this admonition in in verse 13. It says, Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her. For she is thy life. This is pretty strong wording here. Uh, There is much at stake. Listen, life itself is at stake. It, It is of paramount importance that we take heed to this admonition. That we would take fast hold of instruction. Don't let her go. Uh, Keep her. She is thy life. The path of wisdom, I would say, is what God would have you to take. That's the path that God wants us on. But then we see in verses 14 and 15, there's a second path. The path of the wicked. Uh, Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Boy, there's a path of evil men. Note again, there's some strong wording here, some strong admonitions regarding this path. Enter not into the path. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't even pass by it, it says. Turn from it and pass away. Well, you get the idea that, hey, I'm going to avoid that thing, but sometimes it's there, and you see it, and so what do you do? You turn away, and you get out of there because it's the path of the wicked. Listen, and that path is dangerous. Uh, that path has consequences. So we saw the consequences of the wise path, but the, uh, the, there are consequences of the wicked path as well. And those consequences we wouldn't call blessings. They're dangers, and really there's destruction on that path. Listen, one easily becomes obsessed with doing evil. Look what it says there. It says, uh, for they sleep not, verse 16, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. That's a terrible thing. Losing sleep because you haven't negatively affected the life of somebody? That's hard to believe that there would be something like that. But listen, they say that sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. Nobody ever intends on doing that kind of stuff. But if you're not careful and you don't turn away and and you avoid this path, uh, we can do that. And uh, sin is addictive. And it enslaves us. John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Sin dulls our senses, and really it will be requiring more and more to be satisfied for the flesh. It's, it's never satisfied. It's greedy. It wants more. It, it develops into a life of wickedness. Look at verse 17. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Sin really is violent in every form. It damages our relationship with God, with others, in our homes, uh, and even ourselves. We talked about how the aged person looks after they've lived a life of sin. Listen, it's destructive, but it becomes a lifestyle. John Excel said this of the bread of wickedness in that verse there in verse 17. This is, and I quote it says, The bread of wickedness. Especially moral wrong is not bread which consists in wickedness, but bread which is obtained by wickedness. Just as the wine of violence is not the wine which produces violence, but the wine that is procured by violence, deep. Their support, or their support, what they eat and drink is obtained by wickedness and injustice. And he closes with this quote by saying this: "They live by wrong." It's just a wicked life. But this path is a path of destruction. Matthew 7.13, Enter ye in the straight gate, and for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be there that go in thereat. And so this morning I submit to you that the path of the wicked is what God would have you to avoid. So we have these two paths, but just like every other generation before us, we must make a choice which path to be on. So today we're posed with a decision. Do we take the path of wisdom or the of wicked, path of wickedness? And so we have the path of light. It's, verse 18, it says, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The wicked path leads to darkness, and we'll look at that here in a moment. But just as the sun becomes brighter as it rises to reach its zenith in the sky, so those who walk the path of wisdom are progressively enlightened, so to speak. Uh, maybe progressive sanctification, some people would say. We, uh, hopefully we're growing more like Christ. As we become more wise, we learn of uh, of, of the scriptures, and we make application of those things, and, and we're enlightened, and we have more wisdom than when we were before. Uh, but then, verse 19, it says, The way of the wicked is as darkness, they know not at what they stumble. And, and I don't, I really don't have any time to digest all this, but I encourage you to go home and read Isaiah chapter 59 this afternoon while you're taking, before you take your nap, or after you take your nap. Uh, but it'd be a blessing, it really mirrors a lot of what this Proverbs. Uh, chapter 4 says uh, about those two paths. And, of course, we know it was God dealing with His people there. But, um, <clears throat> but the wicked path, they go through life stumbling again and again. And they don't even know what they're stumbling at. Uh, it's just darkness. Uh, in their ignorance, they know not why uh, they stumble. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, it says at the latter part of verse 18 there. Thus, one path leads to brightness and one to blinding darkness. Which of the two paths will you take in this life? To encourage us to make the right choice, let's look at this idea or this metaphor of the progressive brightness that we see here. Uh, It talks about the shining light. It It describes a progressive brightness. Not just simply brightness. It's progressive. It's getting brighter and brighter. Uh, until the perfect day, describing the light as it rises in the sky until it reaches its zenith. And so we can compare this, I believe, to the Christian life. So the past of the just is one of progressive brightness. The Christian life is a life of progression. Uh, We begin as babes. Just like we do physically. But in Christ we begin as babes. First Peter 2:2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, what does it say? That ye may grow thereby. Chapter two and verse one, it says, that, "Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings." We have to lay some things aside in order to do this growing. We know we ought to grow in grace and knowledge, do we not? Well, I'll tell you we do. 2 Peter 3:18, "But growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever." Amen. So God wants us to grow. God wants our light to shine brighter and brighter, if you will, for us to become wiser and wiser on this path of life or this path of wisdom. But this is not always the case. Right? I've met some Christians that have been in church for decades, and they're rather immature in Christ, they have neglected to grow. So some are not characterized by growth and progression. They're characterized by staleness and, in some cases, regression. They're headed the wrong way. Uh, Some may fail to grow because they have spiritual amnesia and blindness. Look at what it says in 2 Peter 1, verses 5-9. through And beside this, look what it says, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For, the, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things, look what it says, is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." Unfortunately, the latter part of that verse is a description of many Christians. What a shame. We have the ability to not be that way. In, in verse 10, it goes on here in, in 2 Peter. It uses that word diligence again. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Look what it says. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Well, if we would just make application of what God has given us to do, we could be on that path of wisdom, that path of blessing, that path of brightness. Our God's not a complicated God in the sense that He understands who we are and how simple it is. I understand. We don't know everything. His ways are not our ways and they're past finding out. We won't understand. So He's complicated in that sense, but He hasn't complicated this life for us. It's rather simple. We're just stubborn, stiff-necked, selfish, prideful, arrogant. We could go on and on today. The reality is we need to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the Almighty God. And He would bless us for doing it. Some may think it's time to retire spiritually. Second Corinthians 4.16, For which cause we faint not, but though... Our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day to day. Listen, God can keep us renewed to keep on going. Somebody once said, uh, Boy, I'm I'm ready for retirement. I'm going to get four more and keep going. Something to that effect. He's going to retire, put a new set of wheels on, and keep going. Listen, God can renew us and keep us going. We don't need to retire. And that might be maybe more for the seniors this morning. Sometimes I've talked to some folks and they think, Oh, my time's up. Listen, I just retired from the Air Force, but I can't quit. Listen, God wants us to go until He decides it's time for us to go out of here. By death or through the rapture. And He can renew you and keep you going. Listen, this is what the Apostle Paul also said in regards to just quitting. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Boy, he's just going to keep pressing. Yeah. He's going to keep on. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded and if thing be in otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Listen, we ought to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, instead of being like the sun that shines brighter and brighter that we see here in the proverb, uh, somewhere might be like a, a fiery meteorite. It flashes through the sky for a moment and then flames out. Lord, help us. So does this this metaphor that we see in here describe your Christian life? That you're growing and progressing and really conforming to be more like Christ day to day because you're making application of the the things of God in your life. How can we ensure that we That this can be the case in our Christian walk. Jesus is our light. Look at what it says here in John chapter 8, 12. He indeed is the light of the world, but it says this, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Boy, just follow Christ. Get on that path of wisdom Our path will brighten not because, this is a a quote by McLaren. It says this, Our path will brighten not because of any radiance in ourselves, but, listen to this, but in proportion as we draw nearer and nearer to the fountain of heavenly radiance. Boy, the closer we walk with Him, the brighter and brighter we can shine. And it has nothing to do with our abilities and our powers. Listen, I believe God wants to use every single one of us to be a light in our community. But that light will be different for every single person. So the challenge today is for you to get close to the light that your light might shine how God wants you to do or wants it to do in our community. The nearer we draw to Him, the more we shall shine. Uh, From glory to glory, uh, Corinthians says in chapter 3. Listen this morning, we are simply reflective luminaires like the moon. Christ is our son. He's our light. And so, here's a couple practical things cuz I have time. I like to be practical. We draw near to the light how? Through the use of our Bibles. Through the use of God's word. Listen, this is how Christ reveals himself to us. Through his word. Don't neglect your Bible. Don't neglect the Scriptures. His Word enlightens us. It changes us to be more like Him. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder in soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This thing's alive. Amen. And it will change you. It will make you brighter. Get in God's Word. It's profitable. The scriptures tell us. But if you neglect it, you can't experience those benefits. Just like if you neglect wisdom, the path will begin to get straight. You'll begin to stumble when it's time to run. So don't neglect your Bible and then look at this this morning through diligent practice of prayer. We need to be a praying people. And I, I... I must admit, as an as a immature Christian, I always was expecting, you know, to labor in hours of prayer, and that was being spiritual. And maybe I'm just not there yet, because I have had real sincere, heartfelt moments of long prayer. But what I have come to find in my life is, it's really just the praying without ceasing. Certainly, we ought to set time apart for prayer. I believe that. And I I do that. I try to do that. But what I've come to find out is if we just sincerely will go before the throne of grace and say, God, I can't do this. Lord, I need your help. He's there with comfort and peace and grace to help in that time of need. It doesn't have to be an hour and a half before you get to that point is what I'm telling you. And so... When I say diligent practice of prayer, be diligent in it. Set that time aside. Uh, Do those things. But don't set an hour aside if you're only praying for three minutes right now. It will be overwhelming and discouraging. Take a few minutes. And listen, sometimes what happens is when you get in that sweet moment of prayer... That prayer session went far longer than you ever intended it to just because you were communing with your God. So when I say diligence in prayer, make it a point to do it, but don't necessarily set a standard for yourself. Just do it and allow that relationship to develop. Cindy and I have been really, I don't know, I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing in our marriage and our life right now. But we went to breakfast yesterday, the other day, yeah, yesterday, and we just had a good time of fellowship. We were talking about all kinds of stuff, spiritual things, our kids, this, that, all these things, and the conversation was just going. That's how our prayer life ought to be with our God. So yes, set time apart, but don't have some ultra, super spiritual expectation of it. It's a relationship. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain, great, or may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, he's there. He wants to commune with you. He wants to pour out his mercy and, and have grace to help. But you need to make an effort to pray. It's always amazing to me how prayer ushers us into the throne room of God Almighty. God Almighty, the creator of the universe, through Christ we have access. And listen, it's through prayer is how we draw near to God. Thirdly this morning, through doing the commands of Christ, we must yet be obedient. Back to our text here, it says, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, And then in verse 13, it says, Take fast hold of instruction, let her not go, keep her, for she is the life. We have to make application. We have to be doers of the word, we would say. But we need to take heed and obey his commands. John 14, 21 says this, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him. And will manifest myself to him. Verse 23 goes on to say, Jesus answered and said to him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And look at this, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So, getting to know God through his word, getting time to commune with our God in prayer, and being obedient, he will come abode with us. Boy, what a blessing! Listen, obedience brings us into a closer relationship with Christ. If you're not obedient to the Word of God, you don't, you're not really close to Him. You may be in Christ and have salvation, but you're really not close to the Savior. And so this morning I understand that these are simple things that we can do. And we might even say the basics. But how prone are we not to? How prone are we to neglect the simple things, we would, we would say the fundamentals. Uh, in sports, they say, hey, let's, get, let's focus on the fundamentals. Let's get back to the basics of what we need to do. Listen, we can wrap our minds around all kinds of things and get concerned with all kinds of things, but this is the basics of what we need to do in order to stay on that path of wisdom. There's only two paths. you got to pick one. And as we close today, I want to remind you that there's a path of destruction. And there's a path that leads to life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth to, unto life, and few there be that find it. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so today, if you're not in Christ this morning, you need to receive him to get on the path. Uh, Listen, Christians this morning, uh, your path should shine brighter and brighter day after day as you commune and walk with him. And the reality is the choice is ours. We can let Jesus be our light And choose the right path or the path of the just, as we saw, the path of wisdom. Listen, in Ephesians 5, 8, it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We need to make the decision to walk as he has told us to do. But for the lost this morning, those that don't know Christ, you must come to the Savior I am, this is what Jesus said in John 12 and 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. So if you're outside of Christ today, you don't have to stay on the path that leads to destruction. If you would come to the light, if you would come to Christ. Listen this morning, without Christ you will have a life of darkness and spend eternity in the lake of fire. Well, that's not very exciting to hear. A rough life and torment for eternity. But God loved you and you don't have to do that if you would just trust Christ as your Savior. And so this morning, if you don't know Christ, I plead with you to come to the light and receive life that you might be on the right path. And for the Christian this morning, I just want to encourage you to walk with God. Get in the Word. Pray and ask God for his help and support and be obedient. Let's pray.